0: Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. With us tonight in the book of Matthew, chapter number six. Matthew, chapter number six. Um, Just a simple thought tonight concerning prayer and the importance of it. Uh, Certainly timely, we have a lot to pray about. And uh, certainly the burdens of life seem to bring us to that place to where prayer is is easier. Um, But in all of this, prayer is still a sacrifice. It's a giving of oneself to something that is surrendered. And um, I don't know about anybody else, but it's contrary to the flesh nature to really yield oneself completely in prayer, and so I pray that we get this. I, I really want to share this tonight in a way that you'll leave with it. Um, personally, it's helped me this particular thing ever, ever since um, that I heard it and read it, where, wherever it was that I got it, and 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 I'm now reminded of it. It's become part of at least how I go to God in prayer, and it's been helpful for me, and so I want to leave this with you tonight, so I do desire your prayers. We're going to, we're going to hit several scriptures tonight, and all of them concerning prayer, but uh, our text will come from Matthew chapter number six, beginning at verse five. Jesus said, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Uh, that's enough right there. Right, we could go home and say, if we could just do that, we would have accomplished a great deal. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and thou shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee open. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them? For your Father knoweth what what things ye have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Father, thank you for your word. We pray for the unction of the Holy Spirit. Confess how desperate we are for it. We have no way to compel the hearts of any other man, or at least our own. Help us, we pray, that with your spirit and the unction of your power, God, that the word of, of God would find its place in our heart, that we as your people would heed to it, yielding and becoming one with it. Thank you for what you're going to do. As we humbly ask it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter number 5. I want to preface the message tonight by establishing what we already know. Um, I'll say it again. The purpose of the preacher today is to constantly remind you of what you constantly forget. Verse 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 verse 17 three little words the bible says pray without ceasing now i don't know about you i've tried that um there i have good days and bad days and then and then some days i'm just wondering uh, whether i pray at all and yet then we find in Ephesians chapter number 6 verse number 18 the apostle paul said praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Once again, the apostle Paul saying that there is a need for constant prayer. There is a need for there to be an open communication between us and God. Now, if you're not careful, here's the part where you start tuning out the message, right? Because as good Christian people, you think, well, I've got this one. I'm gonna check that out while I think about what I'm gonna do tomorrow. I'm going to challenge us tonight that there's a deeper place that we can be in prayer. And truly, if we prayed without ceasing, I believe we'd know the difference. We'd understand that there is a power that the the Lord Jesus spoke of in chapter 6 of Matthew when he said that we need to enter into that secret place. We need to find that place. He called it a closet. It can be anywhere that you're alone with God, but I do believe that there needs to be an aloneness. There needs to be just a one-on-one meeting between us and God, whether it's uh, in in your closet or in your car or in your garage or in your barn or in the shed or in the house, whatever it is, there needs to be a one-on-one conversation to where we are talking with God and he is talking with us. Now, I believe prayer involves a great deal of things, but one of the things we'll find in Scripture that I've shared with you already is that it ought to be always in our life. The people of God ought to be constantly in prayer unto God when we're not talking with someone else or engaged directly in something else. There ought to be a moving of our spirit that is connecting us with God and bringing us to a place where there is communion, there is fellowship, and there is discourse going back and forth. I want to hear from him. (laughs) It seems like what I do is all I'm always asking, I'm always pleading, I'm always praying in some way for something else, and yet I want to hear from God. Prayer needs to be two ways, not just a monologue, not just something where I am trying to get the attention of God. That's not biblical. What the Bible said was as if we'd humble our heart that he would hear us. He's not up there trying to figure out how to hear you and me. He knows what we have need of. And what he's asking for is us to engage earnestly in this prayer. The Bible said in Romans verse chapter 12, verse 12, he said, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Now, That's establishing, I believe, for us just the foundation of how many times we ought to pray today. Why, it's more than that, right? Prayer ought to be something that is consistently coming from our lips. A prayer from the heart that is constantly going with God. We oughtn't have have to hunt for God. We ought to woke up with him. There ought to have been a communion, a fellowship, a back and forth, a discourse between us and God from the very moment of our conscious awakening. We should have been talking with God. We should have been interceding for others and yet all the while engaging God in this powerful thing called prayer and where the Jesus himself would come and say, listen, when you pray, don't pray like this guy. Don't pray like that one, but I want you to pray like this. And then he gives them the prayer. The prayer. I believe prayer is the key, and certainly, if we're the people of God, if we the people of God are going to see things done, if we're going to see the power of God loosed among us, it'll involve prayer. We won't see it done if prayer is not involved, and if and if we're engaged in prayer with a simple five-minute conversation with God, I can tell you right now that won't get it. It's not going to work. Right now, there's a requirement that I have the relationship with my wife. Now I've got to talk more than five minutes. Or at least listen there has to be there has to be a discourse right there's no connection if it, if, if it's just something where it's it's a five minute a conversation and it's only one way then friend that wasn't really building any kind of relationship and yet we treat God as if uh, as one said the spare tire we, we call on him when we need him or when we hear about something that's awful or tragic or fearful or, or concerning, we're willing to call on God as if somehow or another he's a magic wand. I want you to know today that God can do anything, but what he's looking for is a prayer life that is consistent day in, day out, every day, all the time, a constant leaning in and a yearning for the very one who gives us the strength that we need. Now, prayer is that, is that conduit. Prayer is that, that funnel, that pipe between us and God, and the Holy Spirit is what's going in, in between the two and carrying back and forth the intercession that it provides, that the Lord provides, and then what he sends to you and I. Amen. All of these things are part of that prayer life, and for us to be successful as the people of God, we're going to have to pray a lot. Now that's where we lose most folks right there. they want to they they somehow say that well my prayer it starts here and it ends there but I believe what the Bible is saying is that our prayer ought to be continuously it ought to be always from our heart going up unto God there ought to ever be a time in our life when we have to figure out where is God at we ought to have already been talking with him and know that he's right now present right now present a believer in Christ wants to get prayer right. I thought about this. There's hundreds and probably thousands of books on how to pray. You ever thought about that? If You go into a Christian magazine or a Christian, or you just Google Christian books on prayer. The list goes on and on and on and on. And everybody thinks they know how to pray. But you know, prayer is more than just figuring out how somebody else has, has, has got it. I would I'm glad that God told us how to pray. I'm glad that we find in the scripture what it says about prayer. You don't have to buy a book from somebody else to know how to pray. Right? It really is not that difficult. The problem we have is that we live in the flesh, and the flesh don't like to pray. And, and, and if any of those books that you'll find or that you get on prayer, if they don't deal with the flesh, friend, they've not dealt with the biggest problem. The flesh don't want to pray. flesh don't have time for God. Flesh is always about itself, and it's always doing things for itself, and it's always got other things to do, and have, have, have absolutely countered and scheduled out everything that should be with God. Everything else is about you and I, and the flesh is in the way. The flesh is in the way of our prayer life. James chapter number 5, verse 16 said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, what we find in the scripture here is that you can be effectual in prayer. And and the apostle James, I think, was writing that for our own encouragement, to remind us, to share with us that prayer is is successful. To have a successful prayer life, we're going to have to pray like Jesus prayed, and I've read it to you, but we're going to tackle that here in depth here in just a second. But but we need to at least establish the basis for this message that we believe in prayer. We believe in prayer, right? Now, any good Christian's not going to say no to that, right? They're not going to say, no, I don't believe in prayer. But the real test is, is whether or not we pray. The real test of whether or not we believe in prayer is whether we do pray. Because if we really believe in prayer, then we're going to be engaged in that prayer, and we're going to be constantly praying unto God. There is a longing in one's soul to speak with him and him with us. I can tell you, as aliens from God, outcasts, having no right or no place with God, I tell you, the very moment I got saved, there was something put in me that has a longing for him. Therein The Holy Spirit has a longing for him. It abides and does the very things that the, the word of God and, and Christ bids him. But in my life, he creates a hunger and a thirst for this righteousness. And friends, it is accomplished when we go to God in prayer. We're not going to find where we need to be until we have truly surrendered ourselves to this, this thing called prayer. The scripture's full of examples of prayers, and I'm not going to go through all those. But I want to challenge us tonight that, that the proof really is in whether or not we do pray. Um, there's public prayer, and then there's private prayer. Now, the public prayer we've we've experienced tonight, we've gathered into an altar, and we've shared our requests one with another, and I think... Incumbent on every believer, every member of this church is to, to do what this covenant says. It's to accept those burdens and to pray with one another. And so there's a place for public prayer. There's a place for congregational prayer. Prayer where we all join together and we, we, we pray one for another. And I think that's important. I hope that we always do that. I hope that we make time for prayer. Now, some may think we pray too much around here, but I think that's simply something that can't be said. Right? There's, you can't pray too much. So I think we need to be reminded tonight, and I hope this is helpful because it has been to me. Uh, Matthew chapter number six—that's where I want to where I want to focus tonight—is is in the prayer, and we call this the Lord's prayer, but it wasn't the Lord's prayer; it's our prayer. Right? He was telling us how to pray. He didn't need to know how to pray. He was trying to help you. And so it's our prayer. It's a prayer that Jesus shared with his disciples. And the intent of this is that they might know how to pray. Now, he said that. He said, let me show you. Let me tell you how to pray. So I want us to look tonight at four very simple things and each one of those things actually happened to spell the word pray. Number one, praise. Praise. Where does praise come in when it, when it uh, pertains to prayer? Well, I think it's first. If you want to get into the frame of mind <laughs> that allows us to truly engage in prayer, I'm talking about talking with God then it begins with understanding who he is. If you approach this prayer as if it's your brother or your sister or your neighbor, you've come at it from the wrong avenue. You'll not find what you're looking for. What Jesus said was when you pray, he said, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven now when it comes to prayer i believe the first thing is is we ought to praise him. We ought to begin our prayer with a conscious awareness of who it is that we're praying to. Now as hard as it is for this earthly mind to comprehend and to and to even take in who it is that I'm praying to and that he is listening. Amen. What a wondrous truth when we can simply honor God and worship God and praise him as we begin a prayer. Now I believe Jesus knew the secret. I believe he understood exactly what the, the combination was. And it starts by praising the one to whom we're praying to. There ought to be a genuine heartfelt thankfulness unto God as we lift him up and we exalt him and we praise him. Listen, I can't think of any other way to start a prayer than to praise God. (coughs) I believe it's important that praise be a part of prayer. Praising him. Sometimes we go at it and the, and the first thing we do is we begin to we begin to focus on self as opposed to focusing on him pray as jesus said to pray and i think these these will help us number 1 praise is important praise is necessary When we pray, we should start with praise. Hebrews 13, verse number 15, the Bible said, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now, here we find the apostle was trying to make it clear that when we pray, there ought to be an awareness in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the giver of all good things and that he has made to you and I certain promises which cannot be annulled by this world or by the enemy. They cannot be stripped away. They cannot be forfeited. They have been given by the king of glory to you and I. And brother, he is worthy of that honor. He is worthy of that praise. He is worthy of our praise in prayer. I believe praise is how we, if we begin in praise, I believe we've established the right conduit. We've established the right connection between us and God. You know, the closer that you get with God, the smaller you feel. Anybody ever experienced that? that? The more you begin to understand, or at least it, encounter God the smaller that we become in body mind and soul we begin to see ourselves insignificant in his eyes as we adore him and we praise him and we exalt him listen it doesn't take very much to get excited in prayer if what you're doing is acknowledging the giver of all good things the one thing that you couldn't do which was saving your soul all of these things he is worthy of our praise and when we get into that frame of mind, right, where we are honoring God, I believe the Holy Spirit begins immediately to work. You see, the Holy Spirit of God bears witness with what? The truth. And when we are praising God, when we are honoring God, I can assure you today that that is one thing the Holy Spirit bears witness with. And before you know it, there's a, there's an opening between us and God, and there's a discourse that has begun because we didn't start with self, we, we started with the Savior, We started with him. Now, I know there's times when when the world takes us by surprise and fear and and these things. You know, sometimes you just get hit in the gut by the world and you're saying, oh, God, help me, right? I get that kind of prayer. Right, that's that urgent and that necessary prayer when it is, when it is specifically time-bound, when I need help and I need it right now. But you know what? The better thing is to have praised him when our eyes opened that morning. <laughs> I shouldn't have to be wondering, have I praised God yet? Because when I wake of a morning, there ought to be a continuously conversing with God and it ought to be filled with praise. Praise. I believe praise is something we don't do a very good job at. I believe the flesh, it's, it's contrary to the nature of the flesh to honor God and not ourselves. It's contrary to the nature of the flesh to deny myself of even one minute of a day to devote to prayer. You know, I think it makes her enemy mad too when we do stuff like that. I believe he despises it when we actually commit time and, and part of our day. <laughs> uh, some of you have tuned out on me but I'm going to beg you to listen because until you get praise right your prayer ain't right and if all you're doing is, is whining to God and asking for this and that let me tell you something he's the one to ask I'll get that and I'll get to that but our prayer better start with who he is right Who? what is it you're asking for anyhow if you can do it do it But I find what I'm asking for is the stuff I can't do. And what I need to do is start with who he is and establish that he can. He can do it. He's able. And when I really begin to get my heart right with God and acknowledge who he is, amen, I become insignificant while he becomes everything. And suddenly, friend, prayer begins to take on a life of its own. There is a power within prayer. When we begin in praise, a focus of who God is that will set you free. And it will, it will embolden your prayer life. It will bring you closer to him as you call on him for those things that you need. What you'll find is, is that five minutes you set aside turned into 30 And that 30 minute you set aside turned into an hour and you're trying to figure out how did this time get away from me? And all of it was spent in conversing with God. Listen, he wants you and I to pray. Praise. Jesus said when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Right? We can go into detail on what Jesus was trying to say with this, but I think it's simple. He was saying start by acknowledging God for who he is and who you're not, right? You're not him, and you can't do what he's doing, and the reason you're praying is because he has made promises to you, and I'll tell you right now, all of us, we just love saying God is good. We just love saying that he is so wonderful. We just love hearing that Jesus loves me, and that Jesus helps me, and that, Je- well, ain't it about time that we told him how glad we are. Praise him in prayer. Praise him, right? Somehow or another, we think that praise is only in the leading of singing or singing a special song or something of that nature. No, if your prayer does not include praise, then you started wrong. Number one is praise. Number two is repent. Repent. Now, that one seems to we could probably go without saying, but what Jesus said was, he said, pray it like this. He said, forgive our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Now, there's a very important concept right there, and Jesus would come back in verses 14 and 15 and make those even more clear by saying, if you're not willing to forgive your neighbor, don't bother asking God to forgive you. Because God said, I ain't gonna forgive you if you don't forgive them, right? That's the definition of hypocrisy, right? He said, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray like the hypocrites, right? Here you are asking God, forgive me when you're not willing to forgive your neighbor. That one that done you wrong, right? And they truly did you wrong, right? You're not in the wrong, they're in the wrong and yet you won't forgive them. That's probably one of the hardest things the human will ever have to encounter is giving mercy when mercy is not earned. It's not deserved. It's not warranted. It's not merited, right? That person ain't asked me to forgive them. I ain't going to forgive them. That person ain't said, I'm sorry. I'm not going to give them any mercy. And yet what Jesus said was, Oh, got to forgive them. And the Bible said for us to repent, right? Now, I need to say any more about that because I've got plenty to repent of. (laughs) Right the prayer is suddenly getting longer right as I start to think about this because when it think when I think of my own shortcomings which are sin anything that's not done in faith is sin to know good and do it not it's sin to know the things that I ought to do and don't do them or the things I I don't do or, or or know I'm not supposed to do and do all of these things are sin and all of it requires that we repent now It's not a question of whether or not my sins are forgiven. Jesus Christ died and paid for my sins all at one time. He'll never have to do it again. But for me to have the relationship that I'm supposed to have with him, if there's going to be fellowship between me and God, let me tell you something, repentance will be involved, right? Because you are not (laughs) and never will be able to go through not one solitary day without failing in some way. Coming short, the Bible said, of the glory of God. Missing the mark. Simply not getting it right. Every one of us are guilty of something all the time. And sometimes it's those things that are hidden inside of us, like our attitude. Like our unwillingness to be grateful. Like our unwillingness to be kind and compassionate and concerned for our fellow man. All of these things are sinful by nature if they're simply spurned from the flesh. Repent. Repent. One of the places in the scripture when Jesus was sharing with them the importance of this was, he made it clear. He said, You think that it's because somebody's done some horrendous crime that they have to repent. But Jesus told them plainly, He said, Except you repent, you're going to likewise perish. Except you also repent. And you know, to repent, we have to truly be sorry. You get what that means? It needs to bother you when you sin. It ought to bother you when you don't get it right. It ought to concern you when you know good and well that you're not living the way he expects you to. Now, I'm not trying to stand up here and create the standard for you. You've got a book. Read it. It's there. I don't have to do that. But I will tell you this. It ought to bother you when you live in sin. And if you can live in sin and it and it not affect you, I challenge whether or not you've truly been saved. If the Holy Spirit abides with you, brother, it offends Him when you sin and it goes unrepented of. That's what, that's a sin within itself, by the way, is not repenting for allowing sin to go on in our life, for allowing things that are ungodly or fleshly, for following the things of this world and and not yielding ourselves of a broken heart and saying, God, I'm so sorry. How many of us, does it truly hurt our feelings when we fail? Does it make you sick like it does me? Does it bother anybody when we miss it? Again, there ought to be a longing in our soul to cry out unto God and say, I'm so sorry, and mean it, a cry from the inner part of man that says, oh, how I long to be out of the flesh because I hate sin, and I can't seem to ever get it. Right, Growing accustomed to sin is evident when repentance starts leaving us. We grow accustomed to the things of this world and we can know it right away when what, what is part of our prayer does not include repentance. And we want to say we repent. (laughs) And we want to think that we're all great prayers. But I'll tell you right now, to truly repent is to turn. It is to forsake as if someone was stripping from you a coat that you have on. It is to leave it behind, whatever it is. And it ought to bother us when we sin. Praise, repent. Number three, ask. I have found that the order of of these things are important. Now, I don't believe they're essential or mandate, but I do believe they're important. I absolutely 100% believe that our prayer life ought to begin in worship. I have found this to be every single time 100% effectual when I start my prayer about him. There's plenty to talk about when it comes to God. (laughs) There is plenty to be in awe of. And oh, if I can just get the right perspective of who I'm talking to, and I can praise God, then surely the next thing to happen is for me to say, I'm so sorry. Then it's time to ask. But you know what? I really don't need to be asking until I've honored God and repented. That makes sense. Now we've got stuff to ask for. And you know what? He wants to hear it. You know what else? He wants to do it. He wants to help us. He said knock. He said ask. He said seek. And he said in all of these things, he said, I'll hear you. I'll help you. Oh, we need to get it Right. Praise God, repent, and then ask. Ask what you will. Now, we could go in all the scriptures that support that, but you get it, right? When we go to God, there are certainly petitions that must be shared. There are things that only God can do. And you know what? I'm not asking him to do it. I'm asking God to do it. Right? Alfred can't do it. Right? Ask him. Ask him. There are things always. I don't guess I've ever prayed a prayer that I didn't ask him for something. Oh, but doesn't it make more sense if I had first honored him and adored him and praised him from my heart and a heart that is it is honestly lifting and exalting God will soon see him lifted up. And, and it will point out my own sin and cause me to repent. And once the relationship is right, then I can say, Father, Father, I've got some things I need to ask for. Father there are things in my life that I can't fix there are people that are in trouble that I can't turn there are people that are hurting and are sick that need a touch from your hand there are people that are desperate in need of you today Father I have things that I need to ask you for I'll tell you right now you'll never ask those things and feel guilty about it if you've praised him and you've repented praise, repent, then ask Ask what you will, he said. I believe it pleases God when we simply bring our petitions to him. We sang a couple of verses that old song this morning, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. I I believe God's always listening. I believe he wants to hear us and he wants to help us. But going back to James 5 and 16, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Praise, repent, ask, and last, yield. You know what? Prayer will never be honored by God. The proud one. Isn't that what Jesus said? I read it to you. He said, there's a bunch of them that'll stand on the street. And he said, they just pray as loud as they can. Why? Because what they really want is people to hear them, not God. And he said, people will hear them. They'll get their reward. People will pat them on the back. Well, there's a special guy. Boy, he can really pray. And yet what James was saying had nothing to do with that man. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail much. It'll work. Jesus compels us to enter into that that relationship of prayer, that sharing of one's needs and yet one's praise. Jesus is inviting them to understand at a deeper level what it means to commune with God. And what he said was, is go in your closet and shut your door. It doesn't have anything to do with your neighbor. (laughs) Effectual prayer is between you and God. Praise him, repent, ask, and then yield. You see, because in prayer... It should be not a one-way discussion, but there ought to be a discourse, a going back and forth, dialogue, not a monologue, but a dialogue, right? That is two ways. The Holy Spirit, as we are praying, is also sending back comfort and peace and joy and help and strength, and his word, and promises, and all of these things are coming both, right? They're coming to us from God. And when we receive these things, there ought to be a willingness to say, yes, Lord. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help me. Because it ain't just me asking. He's asking me of that. There's things he wants me to do. And you thought all this was was you unloading on God. Now it ain't like he has to have you or me, right? He can check us off the list, take us home at any minute. He's not going to be perplexed either way. But there are things he's asking me to do. And don't think for a minute if I'm unwilling to do for God. That, that somehow negates what I prayed or helps what I pray, let me tell you something if I'm going to praise God and repent and ask here's what I think we ought also to do absolutely one hundred percent of the time is yield to the spirit of God and say yes, Lord. you ever had the Holy Spirit while you just praying tell you to do something? huh I have. I've I've actually had to quit praying and go do it. That kind of of asking. You know what we need to do? We need to yield to God. We need to say yes to God and no to everything. We need to, when God begins to touch us and say, hey, there's something in your life. I'm, I'm going to ask you to deal with it today. You know what I need to say, Alfred? Yes, There's an attitude that you've been having. I want you to handle this. I want you to deal with this right now with me. And I want you to get right with me right now. You know what I got to do? I need to yield. See that effectual fervency of that prayer. It's not going to avail anything until I also have yielded to God. Because it's not just about what I'm asking him, but what about what he's asking you? I believe every one of us have a purpose. I believe every one of us have a mission. Hey, we soldiers in the army of God. Do you think soldiers just sit around twiddling their thumbs? Is that why there's something? No. There's a battle to be fought. There are things to be done. There are, there are battles to be won. And I'll tell you right now, until I'm willing to yield, to the will of God. but My prayer ain't complete. Because your prayer ain't just about you telling God something. If that prayer ain't going both ways. Now again, I'm not saying God needs anything. Right? God's not asking you because he somehow is out of options. I just don't want you to misunderstand this. But there are things he expects me to do. And there are times when he, when the Holy Spirit puts its, its finger right on a spot and says, let's deal with this right now. And all our prayers go, they go astray sometimes because we say, I don't want to turn loose about that. I don't want to let that go. I really don't like that person. And I don't want to help them. Effectual, fervent prayer requires that I believe we, we praise, repent, ask. And then we've got to yield. We have got to say, yes, I will. Whatever you say, Lord, I'm ready. And if I've praised him and I have repented, right? I have taken my burdens to the Lord. You know what? I ought to be ready. I ought to be ready to take on whatever it is that he has given me as that soldier, as that as that servant to do. And in a right heart say yes, Lord. Yes. I yield. I yield to your will. I yield to your word. I yield to your cause. I yield to your purpose. I yield to your person. And in that yielding, here's what I found the praise starts all over. (laughs) It's just somehow hard to stop the praise sometimes. Isn't he great? Isn't he wonderful? Come get us on. I found myself, you, and I hope this was helpful because it's been helpful for me. I have found myself when, when I go to my private place and I begin to pray, I have found myself consciously thinking about praising. And entering into that consciously helps me. It has helped me pray. To remember that, that my prayer is as much about Him It's just about me. It's praising. And certainly the the natural thing to follow, exalting God and seeing myself diminished is repentance. And then being right with God, we can offer our petition up unto God and ask, but then we can also say, what is it, Lord, that you want me to do? When Isaiah got right and he saw the Lord lifted up in his temple, the first thing he did was repent. Remember? He saw the Lord exalted. The power of his person caused Isaiah to tremble. And the first thing after he was exalted, he repented. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And and, and God caused the seraphim to take the, the hot coals from off the, the altar that were burning and brought it over and he touched Isaiah's lips and he purged him. But all oh, what we hear in the end though is the yielding. Because God said something to Isaiah. He said, I've got these things that I need done. He said, but who shall I send? Who can go? Who can tell? Who shall I send? You know what Isaiah said? He said, here I am, Lord. Send me. You see, the yielding part of one's prayer is as important as the praise the simple obedience of our heart to say, you know, if I have nobody to go, I'll go. I'll tell them. I'll share with them. I'll be or I'll do. Praising, repenting, asking, yielding, all of these things I think are factual. May God change us with this truth. Stand with us as we sing. You're here tonight and you need the Lord. The altar's open if you're not saved. If you know right now, your heart's not right with God, let me tell you something. They're leaving this world every day. I've heard of more deaths just this week than I have all year. People are dying every day, young and old. Young and old. They buried a 12-year-old this week and everything in between. If you think for one minute you're going to get out of this thing alive, you're wrong. Death is going to find you. You better be prepared to meet God. You better be afraid if you're not. Hell is real. Eternity is real. And you won't get out of it. You die without God and there is no more remedy for your condition. You have to be saved. You have to be saved. If you need Jesus tonight, come on. If your heart's not right as a Christian and you need to simply repent and get right, then do that too let's get right with God